This is the Humanist Report with Mike Figueredo. Sponsored by Amazon, Audible, HostGator, Gamefly, and supporters of independent media like you. Welcome to the Humanist Report. My name is Mike Figueredo, and this is the 46th episode of the podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by one of our members, James Paris, who sent in an additional donation who already had a membership. So thank you so much for supporting independent media. If you too would like to support our podcast, visit the links down below in the description box, or you can just use the Amazon link in the description box. And when you do that, you support the show that way, or you can whitelist us on Adblock. Uh, but either way, as long as you're just watching, that's all I care about. So on today's episode, I'll discuss the aftermath of the last set of Democratic primaries, and I will call the DNC. Also, I'll look at an article from the Washington Post who is now claiming Hillary Clinton does not need Bernie Sanders supporters to win. Now, when it comes to kissing Clinton's ass, Vox wrote an article touting her as a talented politician. So I will dissect that. And to counter that, I'll be covering an article by BBC that theorizes why young women feel meh about Hillary Clinton becoming the first female president. Now, additionally, Hillary Clinton is alleging that Bernie Sanders did not pressure her to move to the left, so I'll discuss that. I'll also tackle the corruption of the Clinton Foundation, and finally, I'll talk about how Donald Trump's campaign will be meeting with the Koch brothers after railing against money in politics for the last year. So all of these topics will be discussed. Hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. So on Tuesday, the last set of states casted their votes in California and New Jersey and Montana, as well as other states. And of course, before anyone voted, the Associated Press already declared Hillary Clinton the winner. Uh, typical, because the moment that Hillary Clinton actually announced that she was running for president, she was already anointed the winner, not just of the Democratic nomination, but of the presidency. So this isn't surprising, but it was a really bad day for progressives overall. So one, Bernie Sanders lost in California and New Jersey by double digits, although there are still 3 million ballots to be counted in California. Uh, and furthermore, Alex Law, who was running against Donald Norcross, an establishment shill in New Jersey, lost by double digits as well. So this was a really difficult day if you're a progressive, if you actually wanted political change. So as of now, here's where the primary race stands. Hillary Clinton has 2,203 pledge delegates and Bernie Sanders has 1,828 pledge delegates. So neither has secured the 2,383 to clinch the Democratic nomination. So this will come down to the superdelegates who will ultimately decide who's officially the winner at the convention in Philadelphia in July. Now, it is the case that since Hillary Clinton has more pledge delegates, she will most likely be the nominee. So that's why she's being called the presumptive nominee. But it is the case that it's not official yet. Now, it's almost guaranteed that the superdelegates will vote for Hillary Clinton, 99.9% .9 chance. They're most likely not going to flip for Bernie Sanders. Uh, if you question that, then you have to think about who's voting. It's former presidents, it's governors, it's members of the Senate, of, how, of the House. These are corrupt Democratic establishment officials, so they're obviously not going to support someone like Bernie Sanders. Uh, now, the only way that they would most likely switch is if FBI Director James Comey actually recommends an indictment prior to the convention, but we have no idea when that's going to happen. So at this point, it looks as though Bernie Sanders has lost, unfortunately. So what are the implications of this? Well, contrary to popular belief, I do not believe that Bernie Sanders should drop out under any circumstances. No, because the minute he drops out, he loses 
all leverage he has against the Democratic Party. If he drops out and endorses Hillary Clinton, they can tell him to take a hike. But if he remains in the race until the convention, then he actually has some influence over the Democratic platform. He may have some influence over Hillary Clinton's policies, over who may be her VP pick and whatnot. And you know, that still won't encourage me to vote for Hillary Clinton, but it's better than nothing. He has to hang on to that leverage he has, otherwise the Democratic Party will not be representative of progressives. Now, media outlets have been consistently calling for Bernie Sanders to drop out. Democratic establishment officials have been calling for Bernie Sanders to drop out. Everyone's acting as though Hillary Clinton is officially the nominee. So President Obama endorsed her and Elizabeth Warren officially endorsed her today, which is a little bit embarrassing because it kind of goes against everything that President Obama and Elizabeth Warren stand for. Because let me remind you, in 2012, they were both railing against Mitt Romney for taking a lot of money from special interests, for giving private speeches to special interests, and now they're endorsing the Democratic version of Mitt Romney. So congratulations to both of you for selling out. Uh, honestly embarrassing, but as we've seen through and through, so many people within the media and the Democratic establishment have shown their true colors, so I'm honestly not surprised at all. Now, needless to say, with all of this happening, it's been a really difficult week for progressives, but I don't want you guys to be upset. I want you guys to hold your head high, because what we accomplished was nothing short of unprecedented. So let me remind you that when Bernie Sanders entered the race, he was polling at 3.6% whereas Hillary Clinton was polling at 61.7%. Bernie Sanders closed that gap entirely. Now, this is in spite of the fact that nobody knew who Bernie Sanders was and everyone knew who Hillary Clinton was. Uh, it's in spite of the fact that the corrupt corporate media establishment refused to cover Bernie Sanders. It's in spite of the fact that he didn't take money from special interests and did not have a super PAC. And finally, this is in spite of the fact that the Democratic establishment has tipped the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton from the beginning, everything from the Van scandal to collaborating with the Clinton campaign to limit the amount of debates there were to election fraud that was just rampant in uh, Arizona, in New York, in California. So in spite of all of this, Bernie Sanders nearly captured the nomination from a political machine that is Hillary Clinton. That's impressive. That's not Bernie Sanders. That's you guys. Now, what Bernie Sanders did was he proved that the Democratic Party, they hate progressives. They don't like us. They showed their true colors. So people who we thought were progressives, like Barbara Boxer and Bill de Blasio, turned out to be spineless Democrats. Look, there's three types of Democrats. There's the corrupt corporatist Democrats. There are the spineless Democrats who are afraid to stand up to the previous Democrats that I mentioned. And then there's the third option, which is just the combination of both. And anyone who was progressive, well, they're not really progressive. They're just spineless. So they're willing to speak out and be progressive if the Democratic establishment loosens their leash enough for them to do it. And they also show their true colors by alleging that anyone who doesn't support Hillary Clinton because of policy reasons is sexist. Hillary Clinton implied that Bernie Sanders was sexist, was racist. Bill Clinton implied that we are like the Tea Party and that we're sexist, and he called us Bernie bros. And he said that we're only angry because we know that our candidate is toast. And Hillary Clinton said that young people need to do their research, and it's really sad that we don't do our research, and that's why we believe Bernie Sanders lies about her. And my favorite part about this is that instead of trying to court us over, Hillary Clinton gave us the middle finger and started to court over Bush donors instead. <laughs> this is reality, people. This is American politics in 2016. Now, after all of these shenanigans, Bernie Sanders supporters are now being yelled at 
by Hillary Clinton supporters, by Hillary Clinton, by the Democratic establishment, and we're being told to fall in line because Donald Trump is so scary. Here's a crazy concept, maybe just for once, I actually wanna vote for someone who I legitimately like, who I actually agree with, not just because I think that this person is less shitty than the other person. I mean, this is a democracy, right? Why is that such a crazy idea? So after the smears, after the election fraud in Arizona, in New York, in Puerto Rico, after the media bias, and after the weight of the establishment coming down on Bernie Sanders and his supporters, do you want to know what my response is when they tell me to fall in line? Fuck no. I refuse to fall in line. I will not acquiesce. I will not tow the party line. Sorry. In fact, the Democratic Party has done nothing but try to disenfranchise me. They've stuck their middle finger up to me and Bernie Sanders supporters at every single chance they get. So when you tell me to fall in line, that's not gonna happen. I already didn't feel as though they really represented me adequately, but really this election has been so illuminating because it just shows that even if you try to go against the grain and get actual representation from someone like Bernie Sanders, who's not beholden to corporate, corporate interests, well then, they hate you for it. They despise you for it. They try to smear you. Sorry, but I refuse to support a Democratic candidate who will perpetuate the American oligarchy and is itching to get into office so that way she can give more tax breaks to her friends who can start more wars, who can get more donations from the Clinton Foundation and then do favors for them. Not gonna happen, sorry. And I love how I'm supposed to be really excited about the first woman president, potentially. Uh, actually, I'm really excited to cast my vote for a woman who is qualified, who's capable, who has the policy positions who I agree with. Her name is Jill, though, not Hill. We, we worked hard on this. We dedicated our lives to this revolution, and to see it all fall apart, it's, it's not just frustrating, but... I can't even accept it because the process was inherently unfair. I mean, I could get over it. I could tow the party line. Well, maybe not that, but I could fall in line if the process just wasn't unfair. If there wasn't rampant election fraud, if there wasn't media bias, if the Democratic establishment wasn't so biased in favor of Hillary Clinton, I could actually maybe vote for Hillary Clinton, but not after the way that we were treated. Before anyone even casted a vote, I was told that Bernie Sanders could not win. It was impossible because the media was lying about the nature of superdelegates. People were led to believe that Bernie Sanders would have to win double the pledge delegates because Hillary Clinton has so many superdelegate endorsements when nobody in the media real mentioned that superdelegates don't vote until July and they usually support the candidate who has the most pledge delegates. So because of this, everyone felt disenfranchised. This suppressed turnout. This is what the media did. This is what we were dealing with. It's just been unfair. And furthermore, independents weren't allowed to vote in many primaries. That's not fair as well. And I'll also say that caucuses are not fair either, even though they do benefit Bernie Sanders. So overall though, the unfairness was disproportionately felt by Bernie Sanders and his supporters. So under these circumstances, if we choose to fall in line, then everything we did, all the phone banking, all the donations we sent to Bernie Sanders, all of the hours that I've recorded talking about how Bernie Sanders is the superior candidate will be for nothing. The revolution will go away like that, poof. And I'm not ready to let that happen. So here's what we need to do as Bernie Sanders supporters. We have to make sure that the revolution will continue. And there are two ways that I think this can happen. First, we have to make sure that either we can remold the Democratic Party and make it in the image of Bernie Sanders. And if not, then we completely disband it in hopes that a new progressive party will emerge. Now we can facilitate that by participating in Dump the Dems Day on July 29th and switching your status to an independent. And furthermore, uh, we will continue to vote. I would encourage you, if you're burning your bust or if you're participating in Dump Dems Day, 
vote still because there are a lot of lower level progressives in house races and local races that we will need to get into office. Here's the second thing that we need to do, and I think this is the most important. Since we actually can't work within the Democratic Party or Congress to actually get real progressive change, we have to bypass Congress. We have to bypass the Democratic Party altogether. And the entirety of Bernie Sanders' movement has to coalesce behind the Wolfpack initiative. So with Wolfpack, we fight to get a constitutional amendment to get money out of politics. So what you do is you go to state legislatures and you have them codify the Wolfpack amendment. And if 34 states or two thirds actually do sign on to this, then this will trigger a Article 5 convention which means that we will be able to codify an amendment, getting money out of politics, actually mandating public financing of elections without Congress, and there's nothing they can do. Now, contrary to popular belief, this does not open up our Constitution for surgery, so you can't just get in and change everything. In fact, according to James Rogers, the scope of authority for the convention is defined by the topic specified in the 34 applications that trigger the convention. Any proposals beyond that scope would be out of order, and any single delegate could object to their consideration. Now, even if we just get halfway, if we get 15 to 20 states to sign on to the Wolfpack Amendment, well, this would basically force Congress to adopt that amendment as well, because they're afraid of delegating that control to the state. So they would just end up doing the amendment themselves. Now, there's precedent for this as well. So when it comes to uh, the ratification of the 17th, the 21st, the 22nd, the 25th amendments, all of these amendments basically came to fruition uh, due to threats of Article 5 conventions. Now, Wolfpack already has four states that actually agreed to sign on to the Wolfpack Amendment. Now, Congress is aware of this. So, after Wolfpack got two states to sign on to this initiative, well, Congress decided to uh, come up with this law that would allow them to regulate money in politics. Now, it is complete bullshit, and it wouldn't suffice because it just gives them the power to regulate money in politics if they want to, but if we go further and further, we're going to force them to listen to us. Now, the thing about Wolfpack is that nobody knows what it is. See, when I've spoken about this on college campuses, I ask students to raise their hands if they've heard of Wolfpack and zero has uh, heard anything about it. So if Bernie Sanders actually knows about Wolfpack and directs all of his followers to do this, this is how the revolution can live on. So if we can get someone like Jenk Uger, who is close to Bernie Sanders, who actually uh, has the ear of the campaign, if we can get Bernie Sanders to know what Wolfpack is and to actually tell his uh his supporters to put the weight of the revolution and their movement behind that then we can actually have real political change in this country without going through congress or the executive branch or the judicial branch so that's what i believe should occur next uh so we have to get behind wolfpack uh, we also have to make sure that any progressive democrats do get elected in office but the revolution is not over we have to make sure that we coalesce behind Wolfpack. Otherwise, this revolution could be the next Occupy, and we don't want that to happen. So we have to institutionalize. We have to throw our weight behind something, and it's just a matter of getting the word out there. So please spread the word about Wolfpack, because this is where the Bernie Sanders revolution will go next. Getting back to the issue of Bernie Sanders, uh, will he drop out? Not until the convention. And if he does, then I will be very disappointed. Uh, but I don't think he will. I think that he's principled. And I think that he knows it's really important that he remains in the way in the race. So that way he actually does have leverage. But in the end, uh, please 
don't be discouraged because this whole democratic primary it's really shown that we do have power we can actually get a lot accomplished we could take someone who is virtually unknown and make him into an international icon because yes bernie sanders he may be loved in the u.s but you would be surprised how many international viewers i have tell me how much they love bernie sanders and how they're rooting for him in denmark in new zealand they love bernie sanders so we did this okay this is more than bernie sanders it's never just been about bernie sanders it's been about real political change and you guys should be incredibly proud of yourselves part of living in a democratic system is to voice your grievances that you have with the political system with your representatives if you don't feel as though you're being adequately represented and when it comes to the democratic party even though i'm leaving the democratic party july 29th dumb dems day uh i feel as though i'm still really upset and betrayed by them because i've donated to them over the years i've uh voted for them and i've been a vocal supporter of them and yet i still feel like i'm betrayed i asked for something pretty simple i just wanted a candidate like bernie sanders who actually represents our interests that's all i wanted uh, and they told me, no, sorry, we are going to continue being corrupt. We're going to continue being beholden to our donors. Uh, and because of this, I just can't support the party anymore. So I will be leaving the Democratic Party. And I want to call them and let them know why I'm leaving. Because uh, this is just part of democracy. You have to hold your public officials accountable. And that's what I'm going to do. Thank you for contacting the Democratic National Committee. Our telephone reception hours on Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. They never answer. I've heard this message hundreds of times. 863-8000. They don't want to hear from us, but too bad. Send us an email at info at democrats.org or visit our website at democrats.org. After the tone, please record your message. When you finish recording, hang up or press the pound key for more options. Hi, my name is Mike Figueredo. I'm a longtime Democratic voter, and I'm also a millennial. I've supported the party for many years. I've donated. I have voted in every single election. However, uh, with the nomination of Hillary Clinton, I've decided that I don't want to be part of the party anymore. And because of this corruption, I will be leaving the Democratic Party on July 29th on National Dump Dems Day. I'll be switching to independent and I will only be voting for Jill Stein, not Hillary Clinton. But I wanted to call to explain to you why this is the case, because this is a democracy. And I believe I should be able to voice my grievances with public representatives. So ever since the beginning, I wanted Bernie Sanders, but the DNC and the DNC chair, Debbie Do Anything for Hillary Wasserman Schultz, has tipped the scales in favor of Hillary Clinton the entire time. She collaborated with her at the very beginning to limit debates. She banned him from accessing Van. Uh, the corporate media, who uh, their parent companies like Time Warner and Comcast, all contribute to Hillary Clinton's campaign. So then they do a blackout of Bernie Sanders. And now when it comes time to actually unite the party and all that we've heard so far from Hillary Clinton is that, well, you have no choice but to vote for me. I'm winning. And Donald Trump is really scary. Well, that doesn't resonate with me at all. I actually want policies. I actually want to be represented by someone who's not corrupt, who's not 
beholden to corporate interests. And the entire Democratic establishment has proven that they don't care. They've given the middle finger to every single progressive. So I ask that you will please forward this message to any other member of the Democratic establishment that is corrupt, that is a corporatist, that's basically all of them, and also forward it to any other Democrat who loves the smell of their own farts like Kirsten Gillibrand, because I just want them to know that I feel really disenfranchised by the party, and because of this, I'll be leaving. And look, if you want me back, you can have me back someday. You just have to actually agree to get money out of politics, fight for climate change, and stop taking these corporate donations. I mean, we railed against Mitt Romney in 2012 for taking money from special interests, from giving speeches to special interests, and now Hillary Clinton is doing exactly what we railed against. That's hypocrisy. So because of that, I can't support this party anymore, so I will be leaving, and you guys did this. Again, you can have me back if you stop being corrupt, but until that happens, until you refrain from... Uh, doing everything that the elites want until you actually put forth candidates like Bernie Sanders who are going to represent us and stop being rude and laughing at them and tell them to fall in line, I will not support the party. So on July 29th, after the convention, if Bernie Sanders does not emerge as the Democratic Party nominee, I will be leaving. Bye, Felicia. So there you have it. Uh, you can say anything that you want if you call them up. Again, please be polite. But uh, look, I just feel frustrated. I feel as though I have to voice my grievances with the party because I, if, if I'm going to do something, if I'm going to leave the party, I'm not going to go quietly. I'm going to go kicking and screaming, even though it's my own choice. So this is what happens when you disenfranchise millions and millions of Bernie Sanders supporters, when you are rude to them, when you call them sexist, when you imply that they're misogynistic, when you imply that they're crazy like the Tea Party, when you try to delegitimize them. This is what happens. You have your constituents outraged. So uh, if you guys want to call the DNC and voice your discontent with them, have at it. The number will be in the description box, but that's my feelings. That's why I feel the way I do. Uh, I said my piece to them. The Washington Post, in their infinite wisdom, is now claiming that Hillary Clinton does not have to do anything to win over Bernie Sanders supporters because she could win the general election without them. You heard that right. The person who loses to Donald Trump in multiple polls doesn't need her own base to win. Interesting. Okay, so the article is titled, Primary Wins Show Hillary Clinton Needs the Left Less Than Pro-Sanders Liberals Think, with the subtitle, The Scope and Scale of Hillary Clinton's Victories Last Night Ameliorates Much of the Pressure That She Has Been Under to Pander to Bernie Sanders and His Supporters. Yes, because thank God she doesn't have to pander to people who are literally part of her constituency. I mean, what do you think, this is a democracy? <laughs> you think the Democratic nominee should actually represent liberals? Psh, you're crazy. So anyways, they argue the Democratic coalition will ultimately unify behind Clinton as long as she pays a modicum of respect to Sanders, which she will because the liberal base does not want Donald Trump to become president, and Clinton benefits enormously from growing concerns among independent voters about the presumptive Republican nominee. Now, the reason why the author contends that Hillary Clinton doesn't actually need liberals to win is because the growing number of Republican defections from Trump show that this will not be as much of a base election as the last several presidential contests. If Clinton can win over independents and center-right Republicans who are alarmed by Trump, she will win the presidency. Clinton has surmised that the easiest path to victory in this environment is turning the election into a referendum on Trump, the campaign today launching a Republicans Against Trump initiative aimed at making inroads. 
if only Hillary Clinton cared about getting the votes of progressives as much as she cared about getting the votes of Republicans, maybe she wouldn't be losing to Donald Trump in so many polls. Here's what this genius doesn't understand. About 25 to 33% of Bernie Sanders supporters say that they will not support Hillary Clinton in a general election. So it is the case that many, many Bernie Sanders supporters will fall in line. But let me tell you this. Let me break it down for you. This is going to be a harsh pill to swallow. Even if a fraction of that 25 to 33% refuse to coalesce behind Clinton, guess what happens? Donald Trump becomes our next president. So if you think that she doesn't need progressives... <laughs> You're in for a rude awakening come November, man. Now he continues, A visceral loathing for Trump will almost certainly keep the rising American electorate from staying on the sidelines as well. Young progressives may not like Hillary, but it's hard to imagine that most will not fall in line once the election becomes a clear head-to-head -head choice. So, of course, they're using the same tricks that we've seen since the beginning of this election. They're trying to use the Republican boogeyman trick, and, oh, Trump is so scary against us, as though we're little kids. Stop it. It's incredibly condescending. I can judge who's scary and who's not scary. Yes, I believe that Donald Trump is a bad candidate. He's a buffoon. He's an idiot. He's dangerous. But do you want to know who else is dangerous? Hillary Clinton. Now, even though she's dangerous to a lesser extent than Donald Trump, that doesn't make her not dangerous. How many wars will she start? Will the economy crash because she refuses to reinstate Glass-Steagall and actually break up the big banks? That's dangerous right there. And it's also scary to me that the Democratic Party would take a complete 180 when it comes to money in politics because in 2012, they were railing against Mitt Romney because they were saying that he was too close to special interests. He was giving these closed private speeches to these big billionaire donors and Hillary Clinton does it, but it's okay now. Shh, be quiet, don't say anything because Trump is scary. Uh, yeah, that's true, but Hillary Clinton is scary as well, so the boogeyman tactic doesn't work. It typically doesn't work on children, and it's certainly not going to work on adults as well. See, uh, I know that Bernie Sanders' base is pretty young, we're millennials, but we're not toddlers. Now, finally, he contends that Hillary Clinton's victories have been so large that she really doesn't have to offer us much. I mean, she doesn't even have to pick a VP from the Elizabeth Warren wing of the Democratic Party at all. She barely has to give us anything. In fact, the only thing that really Clinton would need to do is uh, she'll still need to make minor concessions to Sanders, such as in the party's platform. The Sanders wing wants new language on issues like trade, fracking, Social Security, and Citizens United. Those are relatively easy, non-binding gives. Oh, so you're saying that the Democratic Party can say, all right, well, we'll give you these concessions, and then they can turn on us later? <laughs> and you wonder why we don't want to fall in line? Well, that's why we won't fall in line, because we know that even if the, the party does concede to many of Bernie Sanders' demands, well, they're just going to screw us over later. The Democratic Party, they betrayed us in the past, so obviously we're not dumb. We know that they're going to do it again, so that's why we won't fall in line. Now, he also claims that Clinton has to pay uh, personal respect to Bernie Sanders, and that's going to help us swing over to her side. I don't give a shit if she pays respect to Bernie Sanders. She's been incredibly rude to him this entire time. But I don't support people based on who they are or what they do. I support them based on their policy positions. Hillary Clinton could literally donate every single dollar that she's taken from Goldman Sachs to charity. And that still would not influence me to vote for her unless I had a good reason to believe that she would, one, change her policy positions and actually be truthful about it and actually not betray us later on. We don't trust Hillary Clinton. Hence the reason why we are Bernie Sanders supporters. So you can try to convince yourself of the fact that Hillary Clinton doesn't need us, but you're damn right she needs us. So if you want to actually test that theory, then please 
Have at it. Continue to be assholes to Bernie Sanders supporters. Continue to be condescending. And Hillary Clinton is already doing a phenomenal job at that. So you may very well actually see whether or not your uh, theory has any weight. But I'm going to suspect that Hillary Clinton actually needs 45 to 50% of her base to win. That's just me. Maybe I'm crazy. But who would have thought that, hmm, a candidate needs their core base to win a general election? I mean, somebody is getting paid to write this. So an article by BBC, uh, written by Katie Kay, uh, describes why it is the case that young women just aren't really that excited about Hillary Clinton potentially becoming the first female president. And I think she does a really great job at analyzing the situation. So she writes, Hillary Clinton is set to make history by being the first female nominee for the White House. So why don't I feel more excited? Let's put politics aside for a moment. Whatever your political leanings, this is by any measure a momentous day for women. Mrs. Clinton could become Madam President. We've never had a woman hold the most powerful job in the world before. But I've spent the last couple of weeks talking to women here and it's remarkable how younger women in particular often seem to greet the Clinton candidacy with a collective shrug. So why is this the case? So she spoke with many different young women and the responses that uh, she received were one, She's old news, she's just old, which is kind of rude and not substantive. Uh, she's stiff, she's just a regular politician, she's been around too long, and she doesn't connect with us. Um, so I don't necessarily think that those are really substantive reasons, but if you don't really know about politics and you're not too politically savvy, then you can look at Hillary Clinton and say, she's probably not going to actually look out for me and my best interests. But anyways, uh, she continues, the feminist silver lining could be that women in their 20s today are fully confident that they will see a woman president in their lifetimes in a way that women of my generation never have been. They just aren't sure they want or need it to be Hillary. They can wait. Women over the age of 50 have an urgency about the issue that younger women just don't. But even among some women who will definitely vote for Hillary, even among some women who will definitely give money to her campaign, I'm hearing almost a sense of regret that they don't feel more thrilled right now. I think that that is an absolutely astute analysis. Uh, young women, they do feel that we've progressed enough to where we will eventually see a female candidate. I mean, there are so many qualified women. I could actually think of more qualified women than men right now. Uh... Nina Turner, Tulsi Gabbard, Elizabeth Warren, even though I'm a little bit angry at her. There are much more qualified women now than there are men that are actually real progressives. So I, I agree with that assessment 100%. And I too would love to see a woman in the White House. But when it comes to Hillary Clinton, I'm just not that excited. Now, when I talk to my nieces, I have three nieces that are uh, voting age. They just either recently turned 18 or have been 18 for a couple of years. And this is their first election. Uh, and they're not excited about Hillary Clinton either. The prospect of her becoming the first woman president is not excited to them because I think that they actually connect more with Bernie Sanders to his class than they do to Hillary Clinton and her gender. Because... What Bernie Sanders is proposing will actually have a real-world effect, whereas in actuality, if we get a woman president, that's good. She's breaking, you know, Hillary's going to break the glass ceiling, but that doesn't do anything for them in real life. The $12 minimum wage is much different than a $15 minimum wage. That $3 makes a tremendous difference. They're all trying to go to college now. Hillary Clinton's college affordability plan is not new. So in the end, Hillary Clinton is not fighting for things that would have a direct impact on people's lives. She is just admitting that she's going to perpetuate the status quo. And for many, many, many people, the status quo isn't working right now. If we continue to follow the status quo, then income inequality will continue to get worse. If we follow the status quo, then nothing will be done about climate change. And when we're older, when my nieces are older, well, 
the world is going to go to shit. And we can't trust that Hillary Clinton will do anything because she's taking money from the fossil fuel industries. Now, again, when I say this on Twitter, Hillary Clinton supporters will yell at me because they'll say there's no evidence of that and it's been debunked. Well, actually, you have to dig a little bit deeper. It hasn't been debunked. What's a fact is that lobbyists bundle and donate to a super PAC and she gets a lot of fossil fuel donations and she also supports fracking and takes money from pro fracking companies. So even if it weren't the case that she was taking money from fossil fuel industry, she still can't trust her that she's going to do anything about climate change, something that will overwhelmingly affect our futures as millennials and young people. So uh, I think that the whole, why do I feel so meh about Hillary Clinton becoming the first woman president? That explains it right there. I need something more. I need to know that you're actually going to fight for me. I I need to know that I'm not going to get screwed over by someone different. Oh, I'm getting screwed over by a woman now instead of a man. Whoop-de-doo. I need to know that you're actually going to fight for us and not your donors who you've taken millions and millions and millions of dollars from who you have personally benefited from. I mean, this is, there's so many layers of corruption to Hillary Clinton. She hasn't just taking money in terms of her campaign contributions, but she's taking uh, personal uh, money. She's taking speaking fees from them and giving speeches on their behalf that goes directly into her own bank account. The Clinton Foundation, she's taking donations from foreign companies or foreign governments, excuse me, across the world, but also foreign and multinational corporations as well. So it's really, really frustrating that, you know, we can't be happy. I think uh, most of us want to be happy if we're progressive about the first female president. We all tried to draft Elizabeth Warren, not necessarily because she's a woman, but because she's the most progressive qualified person that we thought was going to run. And we wanted her to challenge Hillary Clinton because we don't see Hillary Clinton as a real progressive. We see her as a conservative. Uh, but it's it's frustrating. We can't really be excited about Hillary because we know nothing will change when we desperately need change. So that's honestly what it comes down to. And I think this article is phenomenal. It's, it's much longer. So I'd recommend everyone read it. I'll have the full link in the description box. But um, look, great analysis. I think that uh, Katie hits the nail on the head there. One of the most suspicious aspects about Hillary Clinton is the donations that she's received from the Clinton Foundation and how that may have influenced her decisions while she was Secretary of State. Now, there is, in fact, evidence that Clinton Foundation donors got weapons deals from Hillary Clinton's State Department. And what's even more suspicious is that there were 1,100 donations that the Clinton Foundation failed to disclose. Now, the International Business Times reports that in spite of the fact that Hillary Clinton was worried and stated that she was worried about how the Saudi regime was repressive of their people, Uh, and how Israel was against weapons deals to the Saudis, and Hillary Clinton supports them unequivocally, well, she made a weapons deal to Saudi Arabia, basically a terrorist state, a top priority. So they explain, in late 2011, Hillary Clinton's State Department said the deal was in the national interest. In the years before Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia contributed at least $10 million to the Clinton Foundation. Just two months before the deal was finalized, Boeing, the defense contractor that manufactures one of the fighter jets the Saudis were especially keen to acquire, the F-15, contributed $900,000 to the Clinton Foundation, according to a company press release. So the fact that they would even accept donations from Saudi Arabia when they claim to be in favor of human rights and women's rights, it's a little bit contradictory, right? Because Hillary Clinton is supposed to be a warrior for women. And yet, this is the most repressive country in the world of women's rights. Saudi Arabian women are not allowed 
to drive. They're basically classified as children under family law in Saudi Arabia, meaning that they're not allowed to leave their house unless they have a male guardian. This is a regime that donated to the Clinton Foundation who claims to be a supporter of women's rights and human rights. It's a little bit weird, but they continue. Under Clinton's leadership, the State Department approved 165 billion worth of commercial arms sales to 20 nations whose governments have given money to the Clinton Foundation, which represented nearly double the value of American arms sales made to those countries and approved by the State Department during the same period of President George W. Bush's second term. The Clinton-led State Department also authorized 151 billion of separate Pentagon broker deals for 16 of the countries that donated to the Clinton Foundation, resulting in a 143% increase in completed sales to those nations over the same time frame during the Bush administration. Now, it is the case that arms sales had increased to many different countries, not just ones that donated to the Clinton Foundation, but what's suspicious is that the non-Clinton Foundation donor countries only saw an 80% increase, which is still huge, but the Clinton Foundation donors saw a 143% increase in weapon sales. That's suspicious right there. If Hillary Clinton had integrity, she would say, you know what, we can't accept donations from foreign countries while I'm Secretary of State because this sets up a direct conflict of interest. And even if she doesn't think that she would be influenced by these deals, well, look at the optics of it. Wouldn't she not want to accept donations from foreign countries while she is Secretary of State because it just looks bad, it looks suspicious, it looks like you're corrupt, like you're participating in these quid pro quo exchanges? Again... She's a bad politician. Nobody does this who actually has common sense. But anyways, uh, additionally, American defense contractors also donated to the Clinton Foundation while Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and in some cases made personal payments to Bill Clinton for speaking engagements. Such firms and their subsidiaries were listed as contractors in 163 billion worth of Pentagon negotiated deals that were authorized by the Clinton State Department between 2009 and 2012. Now, as I stated, uh, during her tenure as Secretary of State, she has condemned the violations of human rights of the Saudi regime, and she also talked about how she wants them to crack down on the internal financing that's going on of terrorism in Saudi Arabia, yet she gave them a weapons deal. This is not just corrupt, it's immoral, it's unethical, and she did it anyway. So if you think that that was suspicious, well, that gets worse. Now, as I stated earlier, uh, there are 1,100 foreign donations that the Clintons have failed to disclose from the Clinton Foundation, uh, and this was her response when asked about it. Were there, you know, one or two instances that slipped through the cracks? Yes, but was the overwhelming amount of anything that anybody gave the Foundation disclosed? Absolutely. Were there some that slipped through the cracks? One or two donations? Absolutely. Oh, you know, were there times when donations slipped through the cracks that we failed to disclose from foreign countries while I was Secretary of State? Sure, there's maybe one, two, 1,100. <laughs> this, is, this is unbelievable. This is from someone who is the party nominee of one of the biggest parties in the country. Overt corruption. The Clinton Foundation is not a charitable organization. This is a conduit for corruption. It's a sham organization, okay? And if they've done anything good in the past, well, they're certainly using it to facilitate corruption. You want some weapons deals, guys? Well, you know, I'm Secretary of State. Donate to the Clinton Foundation and you might get one. Uh, well, I might be president someday, so uh, the Clinton Foundation's address is so-and-so. 
and maybe that'll influence my decision if you want me to do something for you. Okay, think about how unethical this is. You are actually jeopardizing our national security. This isn't the first time, but you're jeopardizing our national security by giving weapons deals to Saudi Arabia because of your own personal gain. Because they donated $10 million to your corrupt charitable organization. This is just shameful. The Democratic Party, who's supposed to be the liberal party, this is their nominee, guys. Unbelievable. So most normal people will say that Hillary Clinton was forced to run more to the left because of Bernie Sanders, but Hillary Clinton actually disagrees with that. Take a look. What ideas, can you name one idea that he's put forward that you want to embrace, that he has really changed your position on? Well, it's not that so much as the passion that he brought to the goals that uh, his campaign set. I share the goals. We had different approaches about how to get there, but we are going to get to universal health care coverage. We are going to raise the national minimum wage. We are going to make college affordable, and we are going to crack down on abuses in the financial markets that might uh, harm Main Street again. So his passionate advocacy uh, for a litany of important uh, goals for our country, uh, I think has really ignited a lot of people, particularly young people. And we share so much more in common than we certainly have at all with Donald Trump. So I think it's going to be uh, an exciting uh, time to you know, bring our supporters together to you know, make, uh, make a commitment to defeating Donald Trump. Okay, so there's one portion that I really want to touch on. She says we're going to get universal health care coverage. We're going to raise the minimum wage. We're going to make college affordable. Uh, we're going to crack down on abuses in the financial markets that might harm Main Street again. Okay, the problem is that we don't believe you, Hillary Clinton. So you can say these things and say that your ideas line up with Bernie Sanders, but we don't believe you. You say you want universal health care, but what you're proposing is a private insurance-driven health care system, whereas Bernie Sanders wants a public system, a single-payer system, something that you were in favor of before the health insurance industry greased your palms and gave you millions of dollars to do speeches for them and gave you political campaign contributions. Uh, you were in favor of that. So now, what you're proposing is something entirely different than a single-payer system. Even if we get to 100% universal health care under the Affordable Care Act, the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States will still most likely be due to medical bills unless something else surpasses that. And if you can't afford your monthly insurance premiums or the high deductibles that are five, sometimes $10,000, then you either die or go bankrupt. That's not universal health care because even if you still have medical insurance, that doesn't mean that you're going to get the care you need. That is the antithesis of a single-payer system, which every other modern country in the world has. So you're not proposing the change we actually want. Another thing she said, uh, she said when it comes to minimum wage, well, we both want to raise the minimum wage. Right, but you want a $12 minimum wage and Bernie Sanders wants a $15 minimum wage. See, I know that you can't really empathize with us peasants, but that $3 difference makes a huge difference. You don't understand the plight of the average worker because you literally gave a speech about income inequality in a jacket that cost almost $13,000. You make $200,000 per hour when you give your paid speeches to Goldman Sachs, yet you won't even approve a $15 minimum wage for us peasants? 
I find that insulting. Are you better than us? Why do you deserve to make so much money? You wore a coat that costs $13,000. That's how much someone makes a minimum wage per year right now currently. Yet, we can't even afford to give people a $15 minimum wage. Really, Hillary? I just find it insulting. And also, when it comes to college affordability, you're literally proposing nothing new at all. Obama already capped our repayment plans at 10% of our income, okay? We already have had these programs where we can do work-study and pay off our tuition that way. It's nothing new that you're proposing, so when you say that, you're just paying lip service to college students, hence the reason why many millennials do not like you and do not believe that you're going to do anything, which is why Bernie Sanders, who wants to make college tuition completely free... We like that because that's what we need. We can't actually eliminate our debt through your option. We're just going to have the debt forever. And if it is forgiven after 20 years, like you say it will be, well, then the IRS will look at that as income. And then that will just be something we have to pay off in taxes. So either way, you're not proposing anything new. And that's why we don't like it. And finally, you say that you also want to crack down on the financial services industry. We don't believe you. You won't even release the transcripts of paid speeches you've given to Goldman Sachs. What did you say? Obviously, you said something that would be damaging to your campaign and something that has, would contradict what you've been saying, that you want to regulate and rein in the banks, because why else wouldn't you release the speeches? There, if you have nothing to hide, then release the speeches, but you won't release the speeches. And furthermore, you've taken money from the banking institutions that crashed the economy in 2008, and you will not reinstate Glass-Steagall, something that is just common sense, so you actually think that banks should be able to gamble with our money. So if somebody deposits money in the bank, you're perfectly fine with them gambling that money. Well, maybe you're okay with that because you have hundreds of millions of dollars. But for those of us who are scrounging up pennies, that actually is really something that we don't like. And it actually led to the Great Recession in 2008. So if you're even against common sense reforms like Glass-Steagall, we don't believe you're going to do anything to rein into big banks. You won't even agree to break them up. That's common sense, Hillary. Now, the question that he posed to her was, can you name one idea that Bernie Sanders put forth that you want to embrace? You said no. That's a complete lie. You lobbied for the Trans-Pacific Partnership 45 times while you were Secretary of State, and you referred to it as the gold standard of trade. But when Bernie Sanders came out against it, well, you had pressure on you to come out against it. So that's one area where you can say he influenced you. Whether or not you actually are being truthful is another thing, because there's a reason why the State Department is blocking the release of your TPP-related emails. It's probably because you have something in there that shows that you actually do support it. So we don't believe you, but that is one area where you could say it, it at least influence your rhetoric. Another area is social security insurance. At first, you were not in favor of lifting the cap on taxable income for social security, and Bernie Sanders came out in favor of that, and all of a sudden, you're coming around to that idea. That's another area where Bernie Sanders directly influenced you. But the overall problem is that we don't believe anything you say. Anything you are claiming to do, you've either contradicted in the past or you're taking uh, money from donors that have a vested interest in you not doing what you say you're going to do. Case in point, climate change. You have fossil fuel donations that lobbyists are bundling to you, and yet you lie about them when it's very clear that you've taken their money. We're not stupid. We can look this up. We have the internet, by the way. Uh, but how are you supposed to actually do anything about climate change if you're taking money from the fossil fuel industry if you won't even ban fracking this is why we don't believe you hillary clinton so is it the case that hillary clinton was pushed to the left because of bernie sanders well yes but only in rhetoric when it comes to her actions 
she's not going to do anything that Bernie Sanders would do because she is beholden to her corporate donors because she is a center-right politician. She is a Democrat in name only. So there it is. We don't believe you, Hillary. The pro-Clinton news outlet Vox wants to get real with you guys for a minute. So Ezra Klein wrote an article titled, It's Time to Admit Hillary Clinton is an Extraordinarily Talented Politician. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and refrain from commenting until I hear him out a little bit. So he states, This is the paradox of Hillary Clinton. She has achieved something no one else in the history of American politics has even come close to doing. Yet, she is widely considered an inept, flawed candidate. These two things are not unrelated. There is something about Clinton that makes it hard to appreciate the magnitude of her achievement. Or perhaps there's something about us that makes it hard to appreciate the magnitude of her achievement. Whether you like Clinton or hate her, and plenty of Americans hate her, it's time to admit that the reason Clinton was the one to break the glass ceiling is because Clinton is actually really good at politics. She's just good at politics in a way we haven't learned to appreciate. <laughs> what? Okay, so I agree with that 100%, and I'll tell you why. Because basically what he's arguing is that Hillary Clinton is a talented politician. Absolutely, she is talented. Nobody can dispute that. See, it honestly takes a lot of talent to be historically disliked by your own party and actually win a Democratic primary while you're being investigated by the FBI. That's talent right there. Bravo, Hillary. So yes, I agree that Hillary Clinton is talented, but she's talented at being a bad politician and making people dislike her. See, if you actually are legitimately claiming that she's just good at being a politician, well, then you have to explain why every time she speaks, her favorables go down. When she started this election, her favorables were relatively high, and then as she continued to speak, people began to like her less and less and like Bernie Sanders more and more. How do you explain that? <laughs> Aliens? <laughs> So he admits Clinton is not a great campaigner. She does not give great speeches. She does not inspire and she knows it. I'm not a natural politician in case you haven't noticed like my husband or President Obama Clinton has said. But the quality we adore in presidential candidates, the ability to stand up and speak loudly, confidently and fluently on topics you may know nothing about is gendered. So now he goes on to speak about how Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump tend to yell a lot, uh, and people love them. They think it's quirky, but yet when Hillary Clinton yells, she gets criticized, and this is a criticism that many women, uh, especially in politics, tend to have. Now, there is some truth to the fact that the executive branch is a gendered institution, because if you want to be a president, you have to have these more agentic qualities. You have to be decisive you have to be uh, outspoken and whatnot. And these are characteristics that we typically associate with males. So when a woman actually has these more agentic characteristics, well, people think that she's yelling. So that is a common criticism of women, but he is wrong about trying to apply that to Hillary Clinton because you can't misapply that criticism to Hillary Clinton. I don't care if Hillary Clinton yelled or whispered or farted in Morse code. What I care about is what she says, not how she says it, and I think that that is representative of the overwhelming majority of Democratic voters. See, the problem with Hillary Clinton is not that people think she's yelling, it's that she doesn't say anything substantive. She only espouses platitudes. She doesn't actually put forth concrete policy positions that will help us. Case in point, she loves to tout her college affordability plan as the holy grail of student loan reform, when in actuality, anyone who has a substantial amount of student loans knows that she's proposing absolutely nothing different at all. Student loan repayments are already capped at 10% of our income. President Obama put that in place. We can already work and do work-study programs to pay off our tuition. 
That's been in place since before Obama took office. These are not things that are new. She's not proposing anything new, so she lacks substance. So I dislike what she's saying, not how she's saying it. Now, he continues by actually being fairly objective. He states how Bernie Sanders supporters feel rightfully cheated out of the nomination because when Hillary Clinton decided to run, she had the weight of the establishment behind her back. And furthermore, Bernie Sanders ended up generating more enthusiasm. Uh, and it looked as though he should have won the nomination because of all of this. But he says she won the Democratic primary by spending years slowly, assiduously building relationships with the entire Democratic Party. She relied on a more traditionally female approach to leadership, creating coalitions, finding common ground, and winning over allies. Today, 208 members of Congress have endorsed Clinton. Only eight have endorsed Sanders. Okay, now you've gone completely off the rails here. That has nothing to do with gender. That's just because the establishment supports the establishment. It doesn't matter who the candidate is. So long as they are the establishment and they're going to toe the party line, well then... They're good. They're, they can endorse and uh, they can sit easy knowing that their donors will get what they promised them because Hillary Clinton has the same donors as many people in Congress. So that's why they didn't endorse Bernie Sanders. It's because of corruption, not because of gender. So you're trying to misapply this gendered narrative to the story when it just doesn't fit at all. All that that proves is that Hillary Clinton is a fundraising machine. And if you refuse to support her, she will destroy you. There's even reports of Bill de Blasio actually wanting to endorse Bernie Sanders, but he was afraid of the Clinton machine and he just decided to endorse her instead. Now, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton is going to these politicians and strong-arming them, but uh, she may not come out and raise money for them, so it could hurt their prospects of getting reelected. That's why they're endorsing Hillary Clinton and it has nothing to do with building coalitions. And if she did build coalitions, cool! You get three claps for that, Hillary Clinton. But what does that have to do with her being a woman? So finally, Klein writes, in this telling, in order to do something as hard as becoming the first female presidential nominee of a major political party, she had to do something extraordinarily difficult. She had to build a coalition supported by a web of relationships that dwarfed in both breadth and depth anything a non-incumbent had created before. It was a plan that played to her strengths as opposed to her entirely male challenger's strengths. And she did it. Hillary Clinton is a generationally talented politician, albeit across a different set of dimensions than men tend to be talented politicians. Clinton's victory is a remarkable achievement, and it shouldn't be dismissed. Hillary Clinton did nothing different. All she did was resort to the same corrupt establishment tactics that we've seen for hundreds of years. That's why we dislike her. We're fed up with the establishment. This is an anti-establishment election, if you haven't noticed. There's an anti-establishment mood in the country. That's why the Republican Party nominated Donald Trump. That's why Bernie Sanders nearly, nearly won the nomination from Hillary Clinton. So that has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. She's a terrible politician. Would it be great to have a female president? Well, of course, I would love that as a progressive, but I need something more. I need to know that she's not going to get into office and just be beholden to her Wall Street donors, that she's actually going to do something about climate change, about income inequality, about breaking up the big banks. I need to know that I'm not going to get screwed over by someone who has a different gender this time. Oh, yippee, I'm just so excited to get screwed over by a woman instead of a man this time. This is how we feel. Okay, so... I'm sorry that we're not super excited about Hillary Clinton becoming the first female president. That's a great, remarkable achievement, of course. I'm not trying to dis diminish that. But what I care about is the policy substance. And I think that for a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters, 
Bernie Sanders has more connections with them because of his class. And this is true for females as well. I think that they're more connected to Bernie Sanders' class than Hillary Clinton's gender. And this is why we really like Bernie Sanders, because we actually feel as though he represents our interests. We don't feel that way about Hillary Clinton. We believe she will say and do anything because that's how she's performed for her entire career. So there's nothing special or unique or talented about Hillary Clinton. She's just corrupt. When you use corruption, you can win in America. This is an oligarchy. It's not a democracy anymore. That's why she won. It doesn't take talent. Anyone can do it so long as you're a multimillionaire or a billionaire. That's all it takes. So please, enough with kissing Hillary Clinton's ass. We can call it like we see it, regardless if they are male, female, or whatnot. Hillary Clinton is not a good politician. Otherwise, the Democratic Party wouldn't be entirely divided right now. And there wouldn't be a substantial portion of Bernie Sanders supporters pledging to vote against her when it comes to the general election. They're all going to vote for either Jill Stein or Gary Johnson or even Trump in some cases, which is scary. But this is Hillary Clinton's fault, and she did it. So, uh, no, there's nothing remarkable about her as a politician. She's a bad politician. Uh, and if she was a good politician, well, then she would actually be able to unite the party. She's just corrupt. That's why she won. So over the past year, Donald Trump has been railing against money in politics, and that's really been one of uh, the biggest selling points for a lot of independents. So he has critiqued Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush, Ted Cruz, and have claimed that they're puppets and that he's donated to them. And all these crooked politicians are just puppets. He donates to their campaign and then they do favors for him. Well, now, after railing against money in politics for the entire year, Donald Trump will meet with the Koch brothers too big for money. So USA Today explains that this meeting doesn't necessarily guarantee that the Kochs will open up their wallet to Trump. In fact, uh, Charles Koch actually condemned Trump's racist comments about a Hispanic judge who's overseeing the Trump University case. Now, Charles Koch actually commented about this and he did not like what Trump had to say about this judge. He said it's either racist or stereotyping. It's unacceptable and it's taking the country in the wrong direction. So they're not necessarily too keen on Trump and just because they're having this meeting, it doesn't mean that uh, he will donate to Trump, but uh, Trump is going to have to dance if he wants their money. So USA Today writes, Koch said it would require a major shift in tone and policy for him to back Trump. Koch said he would need to be convinced that Trump supported his top causes in a way that wasn't just hype, ticking off as conditions support for free trade, free speech, eliminating corporate welfare, and trying to find common ground with people. Is that likely to happen? No, Koch said, but we want to be open. So in other words, they're trying to buy off Donald Trump. They want him to support the free trade deals that they benefit from uh, and that Trump has also taken advantage of because for those of you who don't know, he doesn't manufacture his ties in the United States. He does it in China. So Donald Trump can probably empathize with them in that regard, so I don't think that will be a problem. Now, also, when he talks about uh, he wants Trump to support free speech, what does that mean? Because wouldn't Trump be most in favor of free speech because he rails against political correctness? <laughs> well, no, it's that's not the case at all because he tries to sue people who actually talk shit and make fun of him. Uh, so Trump is not in favor of free speech, but that's not what they're talking about. When he's saying sp uh, free speech, that's code for money in politics. So he doesn't want Trump to rail against money in politics and make fun of these politicians who are puppets to their donors because that makes the Koch brothers look bad. It shines a spotlight on them and they don't want that. So they're basically telling Trump, if you don't dance for us and support free speech and the buying off of politicians, well, then we're not going to give you money. Now, Donald Trump supporters will say, you know what? He can't be bought. So it doesn't matter that he's meeting with them. Well, <laughs> 
I would disagree with that because if he can't be bought, why would he meet with them in the first place? And furthermore, there's evidence that Donald Trump can be bought. See, many contend that, you know, Donald Trump isn't like these stupid, corrupt politicians who are just beholden to their donors because he's self-funding his campaign, right? No, that's actually wrong. See, at the beginning of his campaign, he actually begged these billionaires such as Sheldon Adelson and Paul Singer to get behind him and to donate to his campaign. And when they rejected him and said no, because they were backing Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, well, then he decided to rail against money in politics. So the reason why he's against it is not because he's taking this principled stand against it, because he's really upset about this corrupt campaign finance system we have. He was butthurt. That's all it was. He was butthurt, and that's why he was railing against money in politics. It has nothing to do with him being principled. But things have now changed. So the New York Times reports that Donald Trump held a private meeting with billionaire Sheldon Adelson, and Adelson said that he was willing to contribute more than $100 million to his campaign. So for the Trump supporters that have cognitive dissonance, that right there proves that Donald Trump is very much bought off by Sheldon Adelson. In fact, not only that... Donald Trump spread his ass cheeks open for Sheldon Adelson and allowed him to stick his hand up Trump's ass and actually control him like the puppet that he is, like the puppet that he has criticized throughout the entirety of his campaign, just like Lion Ted or Little Markle or <laughs> Low Energy Jeb, all are bought-off puppets. Now Donald Trump is a bought-off puppet. And I've got an example to prove that. So do you remember how Donald Trump was going to remain neutral on the Israel-Palestine conflict? Well, for anyone who knows anything about Sheldon Adelson, he is very much supportive of Israel. He doesn't care if they commit war crimes or anything. He is unequivocally in favor of Israel. And if you don't back Israel, uh, then you are not going to get money from him. In fact, uh, Chris Christie had to kiss his ring before because he accidentally slipped up his tongue and said that uh, the Israeli occupation, and he used the word occupation, you can't say that. So he had to go and apologize to Sheldon Adelson, and afterwards he said, you know what, I forgive him, I accept this apology. He kissed my butthole enough to prove that he actually does support Israel unconditionally, even if they commit war crimes. But now, according to the New York Times, uh, quote, Mr. Trump assured Adelson that he was dedicated to protecting Israel's security, an issue about which the couple are passionate. So make no mistake about it. Donald Trump is now the corrupt politician that he has been criticizing for the past year. He's just as corrupt and bought off as everyone else. The question is, are you really surprised? It's Donald Trump. He flip-flops on every single issue ever. So regardless if his supporters will realize it or not, Donald Trump is corrupt, and yes, he can be bought off. Chicken shit Trump is a corrupt politician, just like everyone else. And for those of you who say he's not a politician, he's self-funding his campaign, that's not true. That's factually incorrect. But if you're a Donald Trump supporter, I don't think you're going to care much about the facts. So, um... There you have it, Donald Trump, me and with the Cokes. He's going to dance for them and potentially be their puppet too. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You shouldn't be either. Well, that's all I got for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. I didn't cover as much topics as last week, but I wanted to cover them more substantively, and I really wanted to talk about the uh, the last Democratic primaries in California and New Jersey, so I decided to spend a lot of time on that rather than just cover a ton of topics because I think quality over quantity is what I'm really striving for here. So anyways, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. When you guys see me in the ne next week's episode, I will have braces on uh, the bottom portion of my teeth. That's right. 
a grown-ass man will have braces, so I will look like a 14-year-old. I already look really young. Many people think I'm in high school, which I'm not, uh, but this will make that exponentially worse. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I will see you guys next week. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't look too horrible, but I already know I'm going to be <laughs> really reluctant to show my face on camera, but we're going to do it nonetheless. Uh because we're going to have topics to cover, and you know I cannot be quiet. So I'll see you guys next week. Hello, everybody. How you doing? If you don't know me by now, my name is Tim Black, and I'm filling in for Mike Figueredo. Welcome to the Humanist Report with Tim Black. Yeah. How many of you would like? This is not Mike. What happened to Mike? What's up with this set? What's up with that weird guy? Who's this guy? All right, guys. I'm Tim Black. And I want to talk to you today about a subject that's very near to my heart. It's about Elizabeth Warren and her betrayal of Bernie Sanders from through and through. That's right. Through and through with the sword, she betrayed him. Through and through. She stabbed him through and through. Now listen, we're all up to speed at this point of what happened over the last 48 hours. From the media declaring, well, it kind of started before 48 hours, right? You know, the media declares... Hillary Clinton, the presumptive nominee, saying she has enough delegates when she doesn't. Then we have California with the vote rigging that happened there, the uh, voter suppression that happened in California, not all of the votes even being tabulated yet, not even close to being counted yet, and them declaring Hillary Clinton the winner. And then we go to Obama having a meeting with Bernie Sanders and before Bernie Sanders could even get across 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Obama had released a video to the Hillary Clinton campaign saying what? That he endorses Hillary Clinton. And to just rub a little extra bit of vinegar in the wound of Bernie's back from where Obama and the media had stabbed him up, then comes Elizabeth Warren with her own Hmm, did I do that? That's right, man. Elizabeth Warren is a weasel. And I can prove it. On the Rachel Maddow Show, Warren endorses Hillary Clinton. That's right. Hillary Clinton endorsement. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, a hero to the liberal progressives, ideologically aligned with Bernie Sanders' anti-Wall Street rhetoric, endorsed presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. Thursday night on MSNBC's The Rachel Maddow Show. Hmm. There you go. There you go, guys. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. That's right. Bye, Felicia. Let's continue. I'm ready. I am ready. Just take me, Hillary. Just take me, Hillary. Please take me, Hillary. I'm ready to get in this fight and work my heart out for Hillary Clinton be, to become the next president of the United States. That's what I'm willing to do. I want to do that and do it well, says Senator Warren, the sellout scumbag that she is, betraying Bernie Sanders. Listen here, Senator Warren. We knew when you didn't come out for Bernie to begin with that there was an issue, but I never knew that you were this snaky. 
You're just like all other politicians. Just doing double dutch. Waiting to jump in when it's your time. Well, how's it look? Is it good for me now? All right. And then you start jumping. That's what you did, Elizabeth Warren. The same, you're the same. Let's keep going, guys. Let's keep going. Got a little excited. I'm ready. I'm ready. Take me, Elizabeth. Take me. Well, take me, Hillary. I'm ready to get in this fight and work my heart out for Hillary Clinton to become the next president of the United States and to make sure that Donald Trump never gets any place close to the White House, Warren said. Yeah, we know. You know, Warren, when you were on Twitter fighting with Trump, I was not impressed. Nope, not impressed. You know why? I can do that. I can get on Trump and, and I can nitpick him and pelt him with insults myself. We needed you to get behind Bernie Sanders when you had an opportunity to do so. And the fact you didn't, you lose your place as the progressive leader of this party. Or a progressive leader of this party, I should say. That's right, you are regressive. Or you know what you are? You are pino. Progressive in name only. Write that down. That's right. I know somebody's going to use that. Credit, Tim Black. That'd be me. Warren, who has made banking reform the centerpiece of her political career, has been mentioned as a potential running mate, said she has not talked to Clinton about her vice presidential choice. <laughs> I feel like Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. <laughs> you haven't talked to her, but your people talk to her people, right? See, that's the thing about these politicians that are typical politicians. They lie like rugs. Oh, man, they lie like rugs. Come on now. Come on now. People, are you going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? Come on, Humanist Report audience. I know you better than that. Come on. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. Warren laughed off suggestions of being vice president and said she loves the work she currently does, but she wouldn't mind dressing up and doing a tap dance for Hillary if it would mean she could become vice president. But when asked later, a hypothetical question, that is, if she were vice president, does she think she could step in and be commander-in-chief if needed? Warren responded with, Do you got any cheese? Anybody got any cheese? In a Steve Urkelish voice. Got any cheese? Some of you millennials don't know what I'm talking about, but if you're over 30, that was damn funny. Both lawmakers have remained a neutral, neutral throughout the sometimes bitter primary. Well, hold on. Warren's endorsement comes the same day presidential President Barack Obama formally backed Clinton in a video lauding his her qualifications for the job. That's right. It was like a uh, how did I describe it on my show? It was like the scene from Full Metal Jacket when the guy gets flanked in the bed with the soap. 
They grenade him with soap, put him in the shirts, and they pelt him. That was what Bernie went through after meeting. It was like all of the Democratic establishment, cronies, robots, the walking dead. It's like they all attacked him at one time and just ripped him up, ripped him pieces of him off. Elizabeth Warren is right there with him, going, you got any cheese? Anybody got any cheese? She's a weasel. And you know what? I know some of you are, you like Elizabeth. Well, maybe Elizabeth is just trying to protect herself. Listen, I'm tired of politicians saying I'd had no choice, but I had to do this. I had no choice. I had no choice. I had no choice. I had to do this. No, see, that's why people hate politicians, because they never have a choice. And when they have a choice, it's always for themselves and their careers. What else they have here about the backstabbing Elizabeth Warren? Both lawmakers have remained neutral throughout the sometimes bitter primary race between Sanders and Clinton, although the president was long thought to favor his former Secretary of State. But Warren was actively recruited as a potential Democratic primary challenger to Clinton. Yeah, you're right. Warren called the long primary constructive. Yeah, because it gave her time to decide, I'm going with Hillary. Yeah, I'm going to go with Hillary. You can be ladies night, feeling right, ladies night, like Thelma and Louise. I wonder, how, I wonder what Susan Saran is saying about this right now. <laughs> Poor Elizabeth, I tell you. What else they got to say here before I throw this article in the trash and burn it and then burn the trash can. Crush the trash can down into a metal matchbox car and then blow up the car and then sprinkle the metal pieces all around the sea. <sighs> Warren has been one of the most vocal Democratic critics of presumptive Republican nominee Donald Trump going on Twitter tirades against Trump's racism, sexism, and xenophobia, among other things. A bit of a formal endorsement Thursday, Warren called Trump's loud, nasty, thin-skinned uh, thin fraud in a speech in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah, that's the way to do it, Warren. Make it seem like you really care about the people, and then what you do? You turn around and look out for yourself. You turn around and look out for yourself. See, here's the thing, guys. People want to say, well, you know, Bernie, this Bernie couldn't win. He couldn't win. He could have won if you voted for him, and he could still win. And you know it would be so bittersweet. Oh, you know, if he wins, if, if Hillary's indicted tomorrow or next day. And here's my thing. I understand Elizabeth never came out for Bernie Sanders, so that's fine, you know. She never came out, so I got to cut her a little bit of slack. But here's the thing. Her ideology and what she said she stood for matched up so much with Bernie Sanders. It was like a match made in liberal progressive heaven. And with Hillary, it's an abomination. Oh, yeah, it's an abomination, a contamination. I mean, Hillary is, is anti-everything that Elizabeth Warren stands for, or so we thought. 
which brings you to the conclusion or brings me to the conclusion that maybe Elizabeth Warren isn't Elizabeth Warren, just like Rachel Maddow was not Rachel Maddow. Maybe, 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 maybe. Now we're seeing the real Elizabeth Warren, just like we've been seeing lately the real Rachel Maddow. We definitely see and have seen for quite some time the real Barack Obama. You guys see this t-shirt? Ain't nobody taking my cornbread. That's exactly what they're trying to do. They're walking up to us, America, and they're going, You gonna eat your cornbread. That's when we gotta look at them, and we gotta tell them straight up. Nobody take no cornbread from me. Now, they're not gonna listen because they hard-headed as hell. Oh, yeah, the DNC, the Democratic Party, they hard-headed. They still gonna try you. They're gonna be like, Maybe I ought to eat your cornbread. That's when we gotta let them know. Under no circumstances will this be tolerated. And if they keep on trying to do it by running Hillary Clinton up the, up our throats like they've been doing, it's going to be consequences and repercussions. It's time they get some consequences and some repercussions. That's right. Because I'm not putting up with it. Nope, not putting up with it at all. So Elizabeth Warren, you are dead to us officially. Go ahead and scatter the flowers wherever you like to. You are done. Just like in California where they passed the right to die law. It's like you took advantage of that early because now you have a right to die. You are dead. You are gone. You are forgotten as of today. No more progressive leader. You are just a false leader of progressivism. Progressivism. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you are. In name only. In name only, Warren. Anyone who would support Hillary Clinton, anyone who would choose to support Hillary Clinton after being given the opportunity to support Bernie Sanders, who's championing the same ideals that Bernie Sanders has, that makes me believe that everything that you've ever said has been a lie. And frankly, for someone with principles, if you were that person, Elizabeth, that would be a fate worse than death. Have fun with your queen of darkness. I mean, Hillary Clinton, sorry. May you both rest in hell. I'm Tim Black. Thank you for letting me fill in for Mike Figueroa. I appreciate you guys. Do me a favor. Go to IamTimBlack.com and subscribe to my channel. You can also click somewhere on this screen, wherever Mike put it, and you will be able to <laughs> click there and go to my channel and subscribe as well. Thank you once again for the opportunity. Senator Warren, I mean this with all due respect. You are an asshole. And I mean that from the bottom of my cornbread. Peace.